it seems like there's a new colored um, foam thing on this microphone, and I think that's my daughter's fault because she grabbed the the old one off of it, <laughs> the black one. <laughs> so that's funny. All right. Um, so good morning. It's wonderful to be here. It's very encouraging for me, and um, I'm often blown away by the. Uh, the worship coming to God, but like the loudness basically is what I'm trying to say is like, it's, it's um, the volume, yeah. Because um, I don't know how it is after it bounces off the back wall, probably still very uh, spirited, but it's really wonderful. It's encouraging to me um, to know that there's a group of people who are interested in pouring out their hearts and, and thanking God and worshiping God. And um, it, uh, it, I think it just speaks to health, of the spiritual health of, of um, it's a good thing to want to do. Part of what makes worship so, um, I think, appealing and gratifying for us is that we're, we're singing about how things should be. We're singing about how the, the truth is, is there and, it, and we're, we're aligning our lives to the truth by saying, thank you God for saving me. We're aligning our minds and our hearts and saying, God, you're the best. Like God, you're, we're giving glory to God and that feels right because it's fundamentally true and then it, it, it feels right and it feels good because we're being in the truth when we're pouring out praise to God because he actually, in truth, does deserve all of that glory and all of that honor and all of that praise. God is wonderful and he's done so much for us. So, um, yeah, it says quiz. Uh, email perked up. <laughs> Uh, because I just thought it would be fun to like, you know, um, have like a little quiz thing um, and just go back over a few of the messages that came from the last uh, month or so. So um, I, I'm trying to like have my Bible and the notes here and it's kind of like not working, but uh, okay. Yeah, so dad, you can't answer this one. Um, which disciple of Jesus was restored and also accepted his restoration? Anyone can answer just... Peter. Simon, named Peter, um, who denied the Lord and then later was restored by Jesus. And um, part of that message was about like alternate endings and like... Can you imagine what Peter would be like if he had not been restored or if he, had, if he had not accepted that restoration? I think he accepted that restoration. He had a part in that. Uh, he was willing to be restored. He didn't, just, he didn't just persistently try and stay depressed or, or try and stay down. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was a while ago. Good job. Um, for this one, um, Unyume, you, you can't answer. Uh, what is Jesus' greatest miracle on earth and the greatest evidence for the reliability of the Bible? 
the resurrection. Nice. Yeah, the bodily resurrection. The bodily resurrection, not just the resurrection, right? Um, yeah, and uh, we have great hope because we have a living hope, and Jesus lives, and uh, we look forward to like being face to face with Jesus. All right, Sam, if you're here, you can't answer this one. Who is the hurtful sinner? Or who, you know, in Sam's message, who was the hurtful sinner? Paul slash Saul. Yes, got it. Yes, Saul of Tarsus. And uh, we had this picture up a while back, and he's there at the stoning of Stephen, and he's hanging, he's holding the coats of, of um, these evil, I guess, unkind men who are um, so attached to their way of doing things, so attached to their position, so attached to their identity, I guess you could say, that they see Stephen as this challenger to their way of life, and they think, well, I mean, they, th- they think they're doing God's will because, um, you know, they think that they thought that Christ was was blaspheming by saying that he was God, but but they're they're not willing to listen to the truth. And so Saul of Tarsus was there, and he was the same way, and he was hunting Christians, but he changed. He had quite a change in his identity, um, a remarkable change. If you read the epistles, he really does a lot of the work to unpack for us. Um, what it means to be changed, what, it, what is involved in changing um, in order to be a servant of God and an agent for good in the kingdom of heaven and a light to the Gentiles, used for God's purpose, a vessel, if you want. Um, so many, so many uh, little details that can come out when, when you think about the life of Peter and Paul. All right, so Warren, you can't answer this one. Um, what one thing must a believer do to be an effective disciple of Jesus? Or an effective worker in the kingdom of heaven? Repent? I mean, that's true. I'm trying to see if anyone can grab the, almost the verse specifically that Warren had up here. And uh, I really, really appreciated that message. Um, go, well, you're not wrong. But this was the verse that was up here. And it says in Philippians 3.13, one thing I do. Now, I, I tried to give a hint, and probably no one else, like, picked up on this because it's just too specific, maybe, but, but uh, I heard a message once about like how this appears to be two things, but it's really one thing, and so now I, I, whenever I read this verse, I think, oh yeah, it's, it's one thing, but it, it's kind of two things, but they're two parts of one thing, I guess. So it says, one thing I do, forgetting those things, forgetting, so forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So forgetting and reaching, emphasis mine. Um, 
you know, I would say, you know, you can reason about that and say it's two sides of one thing or two parts of one thing. Um, and this verse is, and this passage in general is so, so encouraging for us as believers. And it's kind of like, I don't know, like a health checkup. Like you go to the doctor sometimes for like a checkup or you send your car in for preventative maintenance. It's like, well, there's nothing necessarily wrong, but I don't know, like maybe I've missed something. Maybe I'm unconsciously doing something wrong or not doing something that I should. And this passage in Philippians, hopefully we get to read it. I, I, my uh, slides are maybe a bit out of order. But I always think of a relay race because um, in a relay race, you you reach, you, you have the baton, if you're the baton holder at the time, and you're reaching forward to the next gu- person, the next guy, and he's actually gonna start running before you give him the baton. Ideally faster than you're running. So like you're slowing down kind of, but you're reaching forward and you're like, huh, and you wanna make sure he gets the baton and he's speeding up at the same time, and that handover is actually not as easy as it looks. Um, and you're not thinking about like when you got the baton. So I, I don't know, I just always think about relay races because it's like kind of an action thing. And, and it says in verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of, of God in Christ Jesus. So it's like, I just think of a race and in Corinthians, I think Paul also talks about like running and a race. Um, so it's been rattling. I think it's been these things have been rattling around in my head. All of these things, um, kind of like uh, if you've ever like gone out for a walk in sneakers and they get wet, and maybe it's winter and you're like, ah oh, darn, how do I dry out my sneakers? You stick them in the clothes dryer, like alone, and then they just go like click clunk, click clunk, click clunk, click clunk, and you just drives you nuts. Um, that's that's kind of like the content of my brain recently because like I don't you know I don't have time to sleep anymore because I'm just like up all night and I'm just like not functional. It's like okay, well I got a few verses in there though and they're just like cluck clunk, cluck clunk, cluck. And I'm just like what is going on? So uh, it's probably a good time right now to pray <laughs> and um, and then we'll continue on and I'll try and make my way through. Uh, the, the material here. That's it for the quiz. Um, so we had Peter, the resurrection, Saul slash Paul, and relay races. Um, yeah, let's pray um, and look to the Lord. Father, thank you for uh, this body of believers. Thank you for everyone. And uh, pray, God, that you would continually help us uh, to be knit together and um, to care for one another and to grow together. And I pray, Lord, that you would help me this morning um, in delivering whatever it is that you want. I pray that that I wouldn't misspeak or misrepresent or um, make any kind of mistake, but that you would help and guide my words, my tongue. And uh, we recognize, Lord, that uh, each one of us are sinners before you and we need your grace, we need your love and if it were not for Christ and his work on the, on the cross and for forgiveness of sins that you've given us, that we would all uh, be lost, be wretches. And, and uh, we are so thankful, God, for your grace toward us. I pray that you would help us this morning to um, deepen
deepen our appreciation, deepen our spiritual life, deepen our faith, uh, that, and this is something you do. And uh, I pray that um, as I'm here, I just wouldn't be a barrier to the word doing its work, and, and uh, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I, I like wasted so much time trying to come up with a title, but it ended up being Practical Holiness and Sanctification and Identity. So practical, I just really want things to be practical this morning. I really want to be very stubborn and almost like um, relentless on drilling down into like what does it mean for me personally or you personally, like how is this gonna look when you really translate it from the concept to what do I do? Like, do I need to like cross the street and buy a coffee? Like, I want a very specific, very practical thing to do to help me uh, in my life. And I've been kind of focusing, I mean, we're all, we're all always hopefully prioritizing personal spiritual growth and sanctification and, and, and based on, again, based on how amazing your worship is to, the God, to God um, as like a, I think of like as a bystander almost, because like, I, I can't even like sing while I'm drumming half the time. I'm like super distracted trying to, you know, do the math or whatever, but it's like, wow, like you guys have it. And so like based on that, <laughs> there's a real passion here for following the call of God, that upward call of God that Paul mentions, and growing and, and becoming more uh, conformed to Christ, you know, the spiritual formation, this, um, this sanctification process and, you know, we, we were singing a f maybe a few weeks ago, uh, Who You Say I Am, and it was just like, wow, the roof was coming off. It was crazy. And, um, and so I think that's it's just, it is important, and it's great. It's, it's, it's a wonderful, I think, sign of health. Um, and it, if you're not yourself growing or dealing with something, you should be in a position where you're helping other people grow, and most likely a combination of the two, but, but these are always good topics. Um, this is always a good topic that's, that's relevant. Um, so yeah, let's be practical about it, and this is kind of, this particular verse has just been like, again, rattling around in my head, and I haven't been able to stop opening like, to this whenever I you know, have a chance to sit down and, and read. And so I've been thinking about it a lot, mostly, mostly uh, in detail over the last couple days. And so let's, let's read it. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. 1 Peter 4, and this would be in NASB, I think, 1996 in, in the program I was using, but I'm not entirely sure which NASB. But 
The reason I need the translations here is because I'm going to go through a, a few translations and um, point out maybe some uh, possible ways to understand this. Because like I said, I want to be practical. So what does this mean specifically? So it says, uh, let's start with arm yourselves with the same purpose. Arm yourselves. So like uh, equip yourselves. It's telling us to, for us to do something for ourselves. So if you like, if you have to fix your car, you grab your wrenches, right? You, you get what you need to do the job. It's a call to action, getting the job done. Arm yourselves also with the same purpose. The same purpose. What is that? Well, the same purpose as Christ. Well, what does that mean? So, you know, Christ is God incarnate, so it's maybe a little hard for me to make the leap and relate. Uh, but we know, we know Christ's purpose, you know, rescuer. Is this the best word, really? Purpose? Maybe another translation could possibly help. Um, and, and what about the rest of the verse? Uh, we need to arm ourselves with the same purpose because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Ceased from sin. Fit, like, stopped sinning. Right. So we want to, let's, like, that is a tall order, right, for each of us. And a lot of the time, you know, we just kind of, like, read it and we, like, glaze over and we're just like, ah, yeah, I don't know. It's like, there's something about, uh, there's something in theology where, like, it, it's, like, a positional thing, and that's true, and that's good, but, like, what do I do, right? And there is instruction in the Bible, and we can, I just want to be really practical. Like, I'm always prioritizing different things. I got lists on my phone, I got lists on paper in different places, I got reminders, I got calendars. You're busy, you're balancing priorities, all right? You know, um, sorry, I'm kind of just trying to f figure out where I am. <laughs> okay, so yeah, like what's the, what's the play here? Like, are, equip yourselves with what? What's the play? Like, is this, can I go and like, give me the Amazon link, I'll, I'll buy it. Is it like a book? Do I have to read a book? Um, and I know I'm kind of belaboring the point here, but I'll get to it. I promise I'm going somewhere. Um, but like, my point, my, my point is kind of like, sometimes we have maybe a too simple, we, we go easy on ourselves when it comes to this stuff, and we just like settle for too simple of a strategy, or too simple of a, uh, an interpretation, and, and, or we just like stop because it's, it's too hard to translate the verse. Um, like whack-a-mole, for example, like bad behavior management through like whack-a-mole. Is that like the best strategy? I feel like that happens, that can happen quite a bit where uh, you just treat the symptom and like the moles keep coming up and you're just like, okay, well, pfft. all right, we're good. Ah, like, I want to be very practical actually, not in just s treating symptoms, but like, what is the root cause of bad behavior? What is the root cause of recurring sin or, or recurring lack in the life of, of a believer. 
in ourselves and in others. You know, if I'm not dealing with it myself, I'm going to be dealing with someone who's learning. So, arm yourselves with the same purpose that Christ had. That's kind of semi-clear to me right now. Um, maybe another translation. So, Rocky was here, right? Rocky Nicholson. And he was like, oh, you have so many English translations. And um, this people group in the Philippines, the Kankanai, I think, Kankanai people, 200,000 people there, they're still waiting on one complete translation. Okay, well, like, apparently, if we look, continue to look through translations, and translations are important, hermeneutics, hermeneutics is extremely important. I had a whole different message prepared, uh, outline at least, um, about bi bibliology and hermeneutics, but, you know, there's so much to that that it's going to take me, like, probably several years to be ready <laughs> to, like, to present that kind of stuff. But, but we should use our many translations because sometimes they can help us to really get to the core of the issue. And I think I'm bad at explaining things in detail because I go too fast and I just deal with the concept. But like, I want to be harder on myself and be more stubborn to be practical. So here's, I love the NLT version, don't get me wrong, but here's NLT second edition, which it would be if you bought one off the shelf. It came out in 2004 and onward, so it would probably look somewhat like this. It might have more translation notes now. But looking at this verse by itself in this translation, it's very hard to reconcile this statement with reality and with other scripture. What does it say? So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had. Okay, that part's good, attitude. That helps me, actually. Purpose, attitude. And be ready to suffer, too. Okay? For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Whoa. That's, that's a bit of a... I have a... I, would probably have to work hard to read the context to like sidestep that because like unfortunately that basically uh, is confusing and could possibly encourage believers to hurt themselves or to engage in self-harm, right? You have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Like I've seen this, I've seen this in real life where, uh, and this has historical precedent as well. Like. <laughs> You know, no one is looking to like, like we, you know, maybe someone has a good intention and they're like, okay, um, I want to be finished with sin. How do I do that? And, and they think, okay, well, you know, my flesh is a problem. So if I'm just like physically hard on my flesh, like I'll deprive my flesh and then I'll get better. Is that what the Bible says? Like practically speaking, like do I need to, you know, live on top of a pillar for 37 years. There, there's something called a, a pillar saint, and, and this was in like Syria 1,500 years ago. And there were these, these people who were nominally at least said they were Christians, right? And, and this guy lived on top of like a, a pillar, like a, just a tower, and he had probably had like, you know, just this much space to live on, and he lived there for 37 years to deprive himself 
of, of stuff. And like no one goes downtown outreach, for example, and it's like, man, it's going to be really cold tonight. This is going to hurt. Yes. Like, no. <laughs> that is not practical. It's, and we've seen, we've literally seen this. And, and people interpreting things maybe a little bit non-constructively. It's not helpful. Uh, so don't, don't, don't do that. Uh, or like, no one, no one is like, John, you've been, you've been assaulted before. So you, you don't go downtown and you're like, I really hope someone punches me in the face tonight. Because then I'll have su- I'll, I will, you know, suffer physically for Christ and I'll be done with sin. You're not done with sin. So, so unfor- this is unfortunate, right? This is an un- unfortunate, and don't get me wrong, like, I actually like, like the NLT. I find it a, a nice version to read for a lot of things. Maybe they had it a little better, the first edition from, like, you know, sometime in the 90s, um, NLT first edition, it says, so then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too, that all seems good. For if you are willing to suffer for Christ, you have decided to stop sinning. Okay, I think they had it better the first time. That's actually quite helpful. Arm yourselves with the same attitude. And if, if you have that level of determination that you would be ready to suffer persecution or suffer pain, you have an attitude that is deep enough and determined enough so that you have made a decision to stop sinning and you're, and you're working against sin. Like, that's helpful in terms of, that's, that's a good translation as far as, um, like, a devotional reading. That's why the NLT is kind of a devotional-type reading Bible translation. And I find it is, it is helpful. It is a helpful book version to read in a devotional sense quite often. I mean, second edition, this is, I would say, not as good, but, um, but, but, oh, oh no, what has happened here? Okay. But a problem with this would be that, that um, if you compare it to like, I'm not the guy to go compare it to Greek. Don't ask me to do that. But if you were reading interlinear, like comparisons, or if you read NLT and every other English translation, um, you, you would probably conclude that this one is farther out from the pack because it, it is definitely saying something that's far, I think, from the original text. Like they've taken quite a liberty and they've gone too non-literal from the words that are there, so that's dangerous. Like, how do you end up here? <laughs> well, you start, you start by like getting yourself dug into one specific way of looking at it, and then maybe I don't know. Anyways, like I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not in full-time ministry. I don't have, I don't have a diploma or a degree or anything. But I'm just saying, let's use our many translations and let's apply proper hermeneutics, which you know I, I want to cover someday and be careful about how we interpret God's word, and let's be stubborn and relentless in trying to find out what it's really saying and apply it to our lives. Like, we've only looked at one verse, and I'm, like, way out of time, and I think I have, like, 
I, I'm not even like 10% through the material. But I would rather do that and connect and end up somewhere where there's a practical improvement versus just like fly-by concepts and be like, okay, yeah. Um, um, I heard something that, that made me feel vaguely like I should be changing somehow. Like, I don't want you to walk away with that. So let's tr keep trying to be practical. I want to be practical. And for myself, effect real change in my life and help effect real change in other people's lives. And it can be difficult. It can take a lot of effort and just looking at a couple verses maybe. So this is a good translation, King James Version. I think this may have it the, the clearest for this verse. For as much then or since Christ hath suffered in the flesh, for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Arm yourselves like Christ with the mind of Christ, with the attitude of Christ. Arm yourself with the purpose of Christ that Christ had. It was what this verse is saying. We've looked at a few different translations. All of these words were here. Purpose, attitude, mind, and, and what is this? So this suffered in the flesh, that's what, it, that's what it's referring to, that Christ, Christ suffered in the flesh for us. I think we know what that is, but, but what is that, like practically, or, or can we drill into that? Can we unpack that? Um, because, because obviously that could be confusing. Apparently, based on, you know, popular translations even, having different, different, quite different things said. So this is something, but this is practical at least. This is something we can do for ourselves at least, or at least strongly influence, because we can read the Bible, we can study and understand who Christ is, ourselves, by reading the Bible, and, and understanding and meditating on, on the person of Christ, what he did, who he is, that's why we meet every, every Sunday morning to break bread. And the, the purpose of the meeting is to think and remember Christ, his work, and who he is, right? So if you're going to that meeting, you are at least for like an hour a week arming yourselves, equipping yourselves, and doing this thing. It's on us to help ourselves to some extent. All right, sanctification is a work of God. It's, it's, I would say, similar to salvation, it's initiated by God even. He's the primary agent. But we have instructions and we have a responsibility and a burden for ourselves to do things for ourselves and help ourselves. Like think about Peter um, when he denied the Lord three times. He had a, a devastating failure in his faith, in his spiritual life, devastating. And if he just like didn't engage and like didn't accept Christ's restoration, he, he had a part in that, accepting that restoration. And you know, if, if he didn't 
work with God on that, he probably wouldn't have gone on to write this verse that we're struggling with, that I'm struggling with. And just look at the wider passage when you go home. It's like, if you really try to take apart chapter three, chapter four, verse by verse, in, in as much detail as you can, it, it takes a long time, believe me. So suffer in the flesh. Let's just keep going, because I'm, okay, I have to wrap this up now. But I'm gonna zip through the rest of the material so that at least, at least um, I've gone through it. Um, I'll, say, I'll say this because I think it, it, it may help why I'm being like this right now. Like, maybe you've had a math class before and you asked one of your friends for help and, and they're terrible at helping you. And you just like, can't relate to how they, you've, you've probably all taken math classes. Okay, so I'm that bad explainer in math because I'm just like, look at it and did you understand it? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, read, read, read the thing. Did you understand it yet? Can you try again? Like, try harder. And like, so I'm okay in that area, but I've had a lot of trouble in my life growing and understanding myself and, and learning how to understand people. And there's lots of different people out there. I'm one kind of person, but I can't help but think that and I'm, 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 the, I'm the problem because like, I do that in, in biblical concepts too. I just fly by and I'm criticizing myself. And the language around sanctification and the speed we go, it must be frustrating for someone else. So I really wanted to be practical. I want to continue to be practical. So, I don't know, just stop the clock. I, uh, um, <laughs> I want to, it's slow. It's slowing down to try and dig into it, right? So what does this say? We're talking about suffered in the flesh. Christ has suffered in the flesh, and he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. So even if you go NLT most recent, like online, I was looking at this morning, they capitalize that, that H, or they say the one, capital O, that hath suffered in the flesh, hath ceased from sin. No other translation does that because, because the nearest person being referred to is yourself. So this, this he or, or the one, the person, is, is not Christ. It would be really easy, actually, if, if it was Christ, because, but, it, but, but it's because they, they use this word finished. Well, Christ is finished with sins, sure, but the word is more like ceased, so then that's very problematic because you know, Christ never sinned, so he can't cease from sin. Anyways, just one verse, <laughs> but I need it. I need to understand it. I need to get it, right? And, and, and so what is this? Suffered for us in the flesh. Suffering in the flesh. Well, we can reasonably link this up to these verses. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Okay, so maybe next time I'll, I'll, I'll unpack that, because apparently it takes 
One Sunday per verse is about a good speed, I think. I really think that that is probably appropriate because I have gone to church all my life and I'm, I'm still not free from sin. And the Bible is talking about ceasing from sin. And so there must be more that I can do to really dig into this. And I think that that's true of everyone. It doesn't really matter, you know, maybe you are a new Christian, maybe you've been saved forever, not forever, but you know, for a long time. In Clyde's case, you know, it looks like forever. <laughs> um, but we all need to do this, and we're all busy. So this, this verse, I'm not stopping. <laughs> Our old self was crucified with him. Our old self, our old self. You know, I'll just drill down on that. What does that mean practically for me in my life? My old self. Well, if you just say it like that, it's just like, oh yeah, you have an alternate personality and they're dead. And that's confusing and not helpful. Right? <laughs> but it's almost like that, you know, because when, when you do sin, you're like, oh, what drat? Like, that came out of nowhere, and like, I'm not like that. What happened there? And it can happen to mature believers too. And you just get totally surprised by your sin nature, just like, yeah, and we see it. We, we, we need to be careful. Um, but your old self, it's your identity. Okay, yourself is your identity. It's what makes you, you. So who am I? What is my identity? There's that song, you know, who you say I am. We keep singing it. Who are you? What is your identity? What makes you, you? What made you, you in the past? And it's everything. So what do you like to eat? What do you not like to eat? Do you like sports? Do you like music? What do you look like? What clothes do you wear? What career are you in? What are your family values? All of these things are part of your identity, and all of them need to be on the table for change, for Christ. To be conformed to Christ, you don't know starting out what part of your identity is going to conform or not conform to Christ. Like, maybe you, there's nothing wrong with liking soccer, but if it's an idol in your life and you need to be conformed to Christ, as painful as it is, you may need to give up soccer. Like, just for example, like, you can't afford the, watching the game. It costs you too much time. You need to spend that doing something else for the kingdom of God. If God asks that of you, that is what needs to happen. But that's a practical thing. It's your identity. It's you, it's, it's what makes you, you. I can pick on Sam, he's not here right now. What's his, what, what is he like? Well, he wears black v-necks, blue jeans, he has a beard and he plays guitar. Like that's pretty much just like, <laughs> you could, that's Sam, right? <laughs> uh, and I wrote that before I knew what he was gonna wear today, but I knew what he was gonna wear today. <laughs> so it's easy to recognize bad behavior. It's trivial to recognize sin. 
It's, it's, it's less trivial to recognize what you're not doing that you should do, like if you're watching too much TV and, and frittering away your time and you're spending too much time on YouTube, or if I'm doing that, that that's like a lack is harder to recognize. But outright, outright bad behavior, like sin, you know, if there's sin in your life, you know about it. And if there's some part of your identity that's causing you pain and it needs to change, you can, you can chase it back. So your behavior comes from your identity, right? And so you just need to trace it back and doing that work of tracing that back, that's actually very complicated because people are complicated and I'm, you know, I don't have time for that right now, but maybe in the future I can cover more on that. But it really it is a tracing back to the root cause. You gotta do like root cause analysis, all right? Why is this behavior plaguing you? If it's an unwanted behavior, probably everyone has an unwanted behavior in their life, in this room. A behavior that comes out of you that you don't want in your life, and you want to cease from that unwanted behavior. Well, that behavior has a source in your identity. And that process of figuring out, why do I do that? That is very difficult to describe. But it's something that all Christians have a burden to do. You know, there's that, that word that's popular right now, deconstruct. You know, Christians hit a crisis and then they deconstruct in their faith. You've probably seen YouTube videos or something on people deconstructing in their faith. Well. First of all, a crisis is not the time to deconstruct your faith. It's not wrong to, to understand why you believe what you believe. It's not, understand, it's not wrong to try and understand why your faith tradition is the way it is. Like, why do we traditionally interpret a particular verse in a particular way? Um, it's not wrong to, to make sure of things. In fact, we're supposed to make sure of our faith and make sure that it's actually correct. Because you may come from, like, I, we might have wrong conceptions because of, of what we learned before, or because we read the Bible and we just got it wrong, right? So we do need to re-examine the reasons behind things. But we do need to deconstruct our old identities and figure out what it is that needs to change in order to conform to the image or the identity or, or the person of Christ. Spiritual formation is the process of becoming more Christ-like. And we play an active role in that. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, however the spiritual is not first but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. Some early manuscripts read, let us also bear the heavenly. It's an appeal. We should do that. We should bear the image of the heavenly. And that's work to do. So, I don't know, maybe 
there's some part of your old identity that's hanging over you. Or maybe there's something that you wish you didn't have to struggle with. And it could be a lot of things like, you know, anxiety, social anxiety. I'm not really great at conversations. Well, you know, that's on the table, right? I, 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 I wasn't born good at public speaking. I don't know if I'm good now even. <laughs> Probably not, but, but the point is, is that I'm here right now and I didn't say no. And that was a process. To go from what you were to what God wants you to be is going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> You're probably not going to like it. None of us like it. And you know what I mean if, if you've done that. It's outside of your old identity. It's outside of your identity. It's not who you are. It's going to be unnatural. If you look at Philippians 3, in the broader verses of, of what Warren covered the other day, um, it says, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. That's a lot. And apparently it's going to be, so I'm probably on like once a quarter. So in like several years, maybe I'll be able to, to cover everything that I would like to in full detail because we need to be practical. And really, this falls on you to do for yourself, all these passages. I can't adequately cover them. You can go and spend, I've done it, a full year at a Bible college, and you're just like, okay, now I know how much I don't know and how far I have to go in really getting God's word into my heart. There is so much of it, it's incredible. It is riches beyond what you could believe. But it's just a lot of, it's like, we're busy, right? I know, it is a lot of work to get it in. But it's such valuable stuff. And I'm very thankful to God for giving it to us so that we can dissect it and really be practical and not, and just be relentless and be stubborn and say, well, until I understand this verse, I'm not going to stop studying it and I'll study seven translations if I have to and, I'll, and I'll, be, I'll be diligent about it. And I think all of us need to have that addiction to God's word. So we were talking about Saul, the hurtful sinner. There's Sam. Um, and what did he give up for, to go from being Saul to being Paul? Well, his career, all of his relationships, his, his basically, his, he betrayed his ethnicity almost, you could say, because, like, you know, he, he was a Pharisee, a Jew's Jew. Uh, if you, you need to go and read Philippians 3 for yourself to understand what I'm saying. If, if, 
but hopefully you kind of have because this is um, a very celebrated passage. But he gave up all this. He gave up his very, like, his identity. He was like, okay, well, I'm going to stop being Saul and I'll start being Paul. And he served God powerfully. But he lost everything. That's what he said. <laughs> and we sing, I am who you say I am. But, you know, it's easy to sing. But it's hard to live that because I think everyone has stuff that they're still growing and still developing and still becoming more conformed to Christ. It, it could, probably no one else even knows about what goes on in the inside of your head. Maybe, maybe you like say swear words in your head because you used to swear. No one would know that. But that's not conformed to Christ. That's not honoring to Christ. And it's just in your brain. It's just in your mind. It's private. But sanctification, is, that's part of it, and it matters to God. Uh, I, don't think I've, I don't think I can break this down more. Um, let's see. I'll, I'll try and, and be done here. Um, let's, break this, let's break this passage down. Shift into first gear, because I know it's uphill, and I'm sorry. Um, so he gave up all these things. Saul, he gave up all these things. He said, uh, he put it on the table for Christ, and he said, okay, I'm willing to give it up. I'm willing to change. But what did he gain? That's the other part of this, that I may, okay, so let's list out the things that, that he gained here. I see... Uh, knowledge of Christ, knowing Christ Jesus, my, my Lord, and that we, we touched on that in First Peter. Arm yourselves with the same mind. So knowing Christ, my Lord, he's proclaimed Christ as personal Lord, not just a Lord or your Lord, my Lord. There's possession of Christ, so that I may gain Christ. There's position in Christ to be found in him. There is absence of self-righteousness, not having righteousness of my own derived from the law, which he had. He gave up his self-righteousness. Righteousness through faith in Christ gained. Knowledge and knowledge, okay. This next part is really, it, it, it takes a whole like, grammar tree to break it, break it down. Knowledge of the power of Christ's resurrection. Because it says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So you know Christ, but we already had that. And that I may know the power of his resurrection. And... I would say the next part is knowledge of the power of fellowship with Christ in his sufferings. Knowledge of the power of fellowship with Christ in his sufferings. Like if you break out the grammar, and I know, it's brutal. I know, it's brutal. It's brutal to comb through grammar, and it's probably even harder if English is your second language and you're reading an English Bible, but maybe do it in your, in your heart language. But it's brutal to comb through and be like, 
I, I can't even cover, I can't even begin to cover what each of these things that, that Paul is saying that he's gaining this morning. But each of those, there's something there that's practical that I can apply. But it, 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 it requires a very concerted dissection of what it means and thinking about it. It may take many days, it may take many weeks, it may take months to process exactly, exactly what it's saying. Knowledge of the power of fellowship with Christ in his sufferings. I think that is a very good way to, to explain you know, what Peter was writing about. He that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. There's a lot of verses that cover basically what, what people would probably say is the doctrine of mortification of the flesh. I'll say it again. Knowledge of the power of fellowship with Christ in his sufferings. There is some power there to have fellowship with Christ at the level of suffering. And, and really, it's, it's that mind of Christ, that purpose of Christ, that attitude of Christ that is just so opposed to sin. How opposed are you in your mind to sin? Is it just like, yeah, yeah, I don't like that? Or is it like, I will die before I let that happen? Or if you see someone else struggling with sin, you say, that is a life or death situation. Because it is. We are all living And watching other people live through life and death situations when it comes to sin. Because it's a snare of the devil. So, and there's confirmation to Christ in his death. Being conformed to his death. It's identity. It's about identity, I think. It's about who you were being dead What's the point to attain to the resurrection of the dead, from the dead? I think, you know, we're all going to die, and if you're a believer, you'll get there. Uh, you'll, you're also going to be resurrected perfectly, and there's always hope in that. We're all going to die. If you're a believer, there's hope, and you'll be fully sanctified one day. Paul, I think, is basically just saying, I'm going to get there first while I'm alive, I am not going to stop being opposed to sin while I'm alive. He's, he's got that attitude that Christ had, that opposition to sin. That's what we need to do for ourselves is take on that attitude and get that into our minds. And, and that's that's gonna be difficult, that's hard work. Uh, uh, no one can perfect that probably, judging on, uh, you know. Well, let's, let's, let's not say that. You know, we have this way of downgrading what the, what the word of God really says, and we'll like just create a category of like, okay, well, that's the like spiritual position of it. 
I'll just say it. I think the Bible says that all of us can be 100% in this life, in this body, honoring to Christ and free from sin. If you have sin in your life that you don't want, it can be gone and you can have victory in Christ. But we need to be practical. I want to be practical and really dive into these concepts and unpack everything until, I, until it's, it's fully laid out. And, you know, yeah, just don't, don't fly by it, don't fly over it. Like, I'm, I'm guilty of doing that a lot of the time. And I think that's bad. That's, that's not as helpful as it could be. Okay. Um, I, had, I had, I prepared too many different messages. <laughs> so so uh, that's, that's the one that ended up happening. So um, I just thank the Lord for your presence here in this body of believers because this place is strengthening to me and it's a privilege to really be part of things here. And um, I just want to pray and then we could maybe sing a song. Like, I've gone so far over time probably, but um, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for all the riches of your grace that you've given to us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus and how you've given a way for our lives to be transformed. And I pray, God, that you would help us to be the person and the people that you want us to be. Help us to be your people, a peculiar people, set apart. Help us to be sanctified, to be set apart for a purpose. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to serve you, help me to serve you more and, and we all have, I have legitimate priorities and we all have legitimate priorities, but Lord, help us to, to have more room in our lives for study of the word personally and in great detail. I pray that you would enable each one of us in this way and that you would help us to do this, very, this thing that can be very difficult. Um, and that by your Holy Spirit that you, would, that you would cleanse us, that you would be, we know that you are, we have an advocate, you're our advocate. Lord, we, we submit ourselves to you and, and pray that you would uh, keep us in the week to come and continue to, to help us through your word and that we could continually worship you and and live in the truth, and live in the light, and that our lives, our very lives, would be prayers and worship. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.